behind every great design, behind every great collection, there is a narrative. Try to get to know the narrative of that designer. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. I hope you are all well and safe and sheltered in place. I did not mean for that to rhyme, but hey, look, I have bars. So how's it going? I will share first. Two months in, let's start with the good. I still have income, I am safe, healthy, and alone. All my essentials are delivered to my door. Yummy more than Instacart. Instacart is just a mess. We don't have time to unpack my gripe with Instacart right now. But I am choosing gratitude, I swear I am. Outside of the delicious taste of disinfectant on my food and drink, I'm good. I had a standing appointment at the hair salon. Look, there are two kinds of black girls out there. One that does her hair and one that does not. I guess I can blame having only brothers on not knowing how to braid, cornrow, twist, all that fun shit y'all do on YouTube that takes an hour and a half out of my day. But I'm good. Let me tell you something about what I did accomplish, okay? I washed and conditioned my hair. Yes, it's a challenge, but that's the easy part of the challenge. The next step is blow drying the hair. And this is where the struggle begins. But I got through sectioning off and all that and then plugged in the flat iron, which immediately sparked and committed suicide. So here I was with the poofy do, and I don't have a relaxer, so we're talking super big and crinkly hair. I ordered the first flat iron I found on eBay. You know what? I managed to flat iron my hair into a halfway decent looking do, patting myself on the back right now. I could also get a job as a nail tech at this point. Anyway, I applaud all of you out there cutting your own hair and trying to remove those acrylic nails. Godspeed. Well, retail was already in deep trouble pre-COVID, and now this may be its permanent demise. Brick and mortar, anyway. They say the bigger they are, the harder they fall. The latest department store in trouble, Neiman Marcus, most likely they will file bankruptcy by April 27th, requesting $600 million in emergency funding. Now, I I feel for them. I really, really do because I worked there many moons ago and I still have friends there, but this has been forthcoming. They closed all of the last call stores and the My Teresa website, I think. And I mean, all 14,000 employees are furloughed. I just think department stores should have been reinventing themselves long ago. I mean, True Religion, Gap, JCPenney, all of them are next. I think so many stores, big and small, will fold due to coronavirus if they do not update their biz model. They were supposed to do this long ago. For example, take Farfetch a company which owns no inventory and operates as a platform for over 700 boutiques, many of which are the aforementioned struggling fashion retailers. In the first quarter of 2020, Farfetch estimated a gross increase in merchandise volume between 43% and 46%, a surprising uplift when most brands are facing dire sales. I hear the word pivot a lot lately, and it's clear that these companies most likely were doing business as usual, There's always someone in the room warning them, but when you get to a level, it's difficult to take a chance on a new model, and that's why you will cease to exist. If you're not changing, there's no way you're growing. I think the boutique and specialty shop have a real opportunity here. And how do you innovate, you say? 
Well, Sandy Lang out of New York, she's known for her iconic cult followed fleece jackets and so much more. She had a pop-up shop on the game, Animal Crossing. We all know gaming has been a monster billion dollar industry for a while now. And with everyone cooped up in the house, Animal Crossing has seen a surge in engagement. Hate to say it, but the old guard I met in the companies I once worked for would have been completely lost about this idea and it probably would have never been approved. The lesson has always been, listen to the kids. Don't let ego and fear kill your business. And it's okay for the business to be modest. Not everyone needs to be Jeff Bezos. Sometimes, if you do what you love, make your little six figures, that's enough. Not every business has to be about global domination. Although I think Farfetch may be well on their way. So I want to circle back to the mask thing. I absolutely love that designers, big and small, are making PPE and masks, but in other ways, it's out of control. You know, I have love for Off-White and Virgil Abloh, the designer behind it, but I found an Off-White mask for $1,205 online. I don't know if this was made for his specific market, the hype beasts of the world, or if it's insensitive to the medical community who are literally dying on the front lines of the coronavirus pandemic. I get it, you cater to one percenters, but $1,200 for a mask? It just seems exploitive and a mockery of the actual shortage and need for masks. There's not even a fundraiser attached to it, which would have been cool and justified, but to sell a $1,200 mask is a joke and not a funny one. Even Ross, that cheap ass store I will never set foot in donated $1.5 million to COVID relief. And speaking of hype beasts, who out there is watching Black AF? The most significant character on Netflix's new series, Black AF, is probably Kenya Barris's wardrobe. On Blackish, the other show Barris created about his family, Dre, played by Anthony Anderson, is a hip sneakerhead dad based on Barris in real life. But on Black AF, the wardrobe is amped up. Barris, who plays himself, wears things like Gucci and Fendi tracksuits that go for around $4,000, Fear of God essentials and cactus plant flea market sweatshirts, gold rope chains, diamond necklaces, the Nike Sakai LD waffles, and the Tom Sachs Mars Yard Nike overshoes. A drip fest, as the children say these days. Barris wanted every moment to be a fit. Fits that were limited AF, if you will. Shout out to Michelle Cole, the Black AF costume designer who also worked on Blackish, In Living Color, Martin, and The Bernie Mac Show. Barris says he wanted to make his outfits a character, similar to, similar to Carrie Bradshaw's outfits from Sex in the City, and he succeeded. And this is how Barris dressed in real life. Unlike network television on Netflix, you can go hard with the logos. He admits Jerry Lorenzo and Virgil Abloh are friends he could call in for favors, so that helps too. The show tells the story of what it's like to become rich while being Black. In the first episode titled Because of Slavery, you understand how wardrobe has played a big part in that journey for Barris and Black people in general. In the episode, Barris explains that because of slavery, peacocking or wearing your Sunday's best is within Black people's DNA. Outward presentation is the way to telegraph value when you don't have much, or in Barris's case, when you want people to know you do. 
This peacocking is something Barris leans into within the show, but also questions because of what he calls the white gaze, G-A-Z-E, just to be specific, which Barris believes is judgment from rich, low-key white people who don't display their wealth through their outfits. I guess there's no need to celebrate what you already have. And on that note, until next time, be well, be safe, and peace. Thank you.